Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders. Hello. We're not in the same room this time, but this is Shannon and Aaron. Yes, it is. And it is hot. It is hot. We've Our temperature is supposed to be 100 with a heat in- index of like 105 or something. I, I think that's what it is here, too. Although they say that on Monday, it's supposed to get like, it's supposed to only be 87. Ooh. Yeah, later in the week, we're supposed to have temperatures in the low 90s. Ooh, cold front. <laughs> I know. How, what are we going to do about that? I don't like, know. We'll have to wear our winter coats and carry our mittens and everything. Hats. Turn off the AC and open the window. Absolutely. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, um, definitely the whole country seems to be, or most of it seems to be in a heat wave um, lately. So mm. it can I'm go away any time really- now glad for ac that works i know me too i i know so many people who have ac that either doesn't work or they have the crappy window ace air conditioners that don't do a thing you know you know to 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 cool things down and it seems like in this weather it would just be brutal oh yes yes it would (laughs) Um, we have our garage is not air conditioned it's like a detached you know and um it has electricity that runs to it but not you know, obviously an air conditioner, and it's really not worth it. But, ooh, that gets hot in there. Oh, I bet it does. <laughs> I, we have a, a freezer out there, and I go and get things out of it occasionally, and it's just like baking in the heat. Your your food is defrosted before you get to the, <laughs> Although, to the house. Well, not really. But, I mean, you know, but it's still, you can tell that it's thawing because you know how when you take stuff out of a freezer, if you leave it out for a few seconds, it gets like that ice coating on the... Yeah. The real faint ice coat. Well, this does that just from walking from the garage back into the house. There's like this <laughs> coating of frost on it, just taking those, you know, 10 steps or so back in there. Oh, man. So, <laughs> anywho, um, let us begin by talking about our reads this month. And since I just realized that I have like 12 reads in my stack, why don't we, uh, you know, I'll pick and choose mine. I don't know if you want to, if you've read a whole bunch and want to pick and choose some of yours. Yeah, I'll pick and choose some of mine, too. Um, I, let's see. Um, I, I Finished 112263 by Stephen King. I think I talked about that last... I did talk about that last episode. Right. It was very good. Um, and then I, I read um, Time Enough for Love and To Sail Beyond the Sunset by oh. Robert Heinlein, mm-hmm. um, which I would have liked both of those stories a lot a lot better without the incest but then if you take out the incest there would be no story in to sail beyond the sunset so yeah, that's true that's <laughs> that's true i you know when i first read time enough for love i thought it was really wonderful but actually the thing that i liked most about it was not the um the main component of it which is you know all of the joyous copulations <laughs> but um the science you know like the rejuvenation and that kind of thing I thought that was fascinating and all the genetic you know genetic stuff that they talked about uh and the um the intelligent computer who wanted to be a person that was kind of cool and the whole like the whole story about Minerva yeah that was really neat and but the whole like incest thing I did find very disturbing and um it it was I, my favorite part, I liked Minerva, and I liked the, the one story that was sort of a space western kind of thing. Yes, I loved that one. That was great. The one where he um, adopted the girl and then, you know, was sort of like her. marrying her, as you do. Well, <laughs> she she wasn't really his daughter. She didn't live with him or anything, but, you know, they were very close, and he thought of her as his daughter, and then they, you know, married. Um, oddly enough, it was her idea. But... um. <laughs> yes, yeah. it always is. So, yeah, I really did like that story. I, I, I like the talking mules. That was cool. Yeah. 
And and to see out beyond the sunset did have its moments, but it felt a little bit like um, like there were like there was too much of the things that that I didn't like to really yeah. love it as much as I I would have liked. But it was also his last published novel, so maybe he was getting a little 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 crazy there toward the end. And I don't maybe know. So, and I think he was trying a little bit too hard to bring a lot of his other books into it to sort of yeah. it was sort of like a wrap up for him. It seemed like he was trying to get loose ends and little threads into one book to kind of tie all of his universes together that he had created, um, which I thought it was kind of clever for that reason. But you know, I could have dealt with without the joyous copulations. I, I just didn't... I don't Especially, mind sex in a book. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all. It just doesn't seem like there was much else besides that. The tying up the loose ends and the integrating the, um, you know, drug problems and issues in the 1980s that were prevalent into the book in an yeah, alternate timeline the, so that they that happened I in thought, the 50s. That I thought was cool. I thought that was neat, but, you know, mm, other than that. Um, anyway, what else see, have you read? What, what else have I read? Um... I've read um, toward the toward the end of the month. I kind of got into a bit of a um, a reading binge of uh, they call it M slash M romance or MM romance. I'm not wow. like quite sure whether you're supposed to say the slash, but I wouldn't say that it's gay romance exactly because the books are written by women and like explicitly for women. I can't really imagine any gay men reading the books I've been reading and finding anything resembling their lives therein. But I I found an author on um on Bookshare actually. She's got a few titles um named Ava March. Mm-hmm. And um they she writes these M slash M historical romances. And I read the three that she's got up. Well, there are like four that she's got up there. One of them is like, you know, it was a like really short story that I didn't like quite so well, but the three that she's got up there and they were terrific in the way that like eating M&Ms are terrific (laughs) because you eat like they're delicious and they don't really require much thought and, and, and you enjoy them while you yeah. eat them. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but so I've been I've been on on a bit of a a kick there. The books in particular are the Brook Street trilogy, which consists of um, Thief, Fortune Hunter, and Rogues, all of which are available on Bookshare or on Amazon. Um, and although I have to say that, like, you know, the one thing that I didn't like about the series was that she she, she picked some very unfortunate names for her, her male protagonists. Because in my favorite book uh, which of the series, which was Fortune Hunter, we have Oscar, which, because I'm a child of, of you know, a certain generation, <laughs> always makes me think of the grouch. <laughs> <laughs> Even he though like live- Oscar was the best character in the entire series, it was still such a terrible name. And then in the third book, we get Linus. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and and like I got past it, but mm-hmm. I still kept waiting for like Schroeder to show up. <laughs> I was very disappointed when there was no Schroeder. And you know Oscar to come out of a garbage can or something. You know right. <laughs> But, oh. so, so they were fun, and and right now um, I'm in the middle of, a, of, of like reading very slowly a couple of really long books. I'm reading um, the Passage by Justin Cronin, which um, lots of people that I know have raved about, and the sequel to which comes out in October. So I figured, you know, hey, why not? So what's that about? Um, it is basically a post-apocalyptic story. Mm-hmm. Where um, the military is experimenting as they do, and um, it goes wrong, like it does, Ew. and uh, and and the country is beset by vampires. Oh my god! And military and experiments it, and vampires. Right, right. <laughs> the the experiments cause vampires. Oh my goodness! And they're they're not the they're not the sparkly you know, emo, sexy vampires either. These are, like, the ones that will suck your blood. And <laughs> mm. and it, it, it's not pretty. But, it, like, it's very... 
it's very dark and it's very, but it's very engaging and um, it kind of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the stand in that it's, it sort of meanders for a, a long time. And I'm not even like 20% of the way through this book because I'm like reading it slowly, but not, and not a whole lot has happened. So it's the sort of book that, that like, you know, you go in for the, the setting and he's, he's like, he's an amazing writer. And um, then I'm also reading Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. 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 However the hell you say that name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Which is a sort of time travel, sort of romance, sort of historical fiction. Um, And and that book is also, like, I I, I wanted to read that entire series, but I've been a little Mm. bit put off by the fact that, like, each of the books is something like 30 hours long. Yeah, they're very bloated. (laughs) <laughs> like the book before the last one was like 51 hours long and oh, I'm sitting here going I don't know if I can do that yeah. but I, I I read Outlander um, probably about 15 years ago or so and I liked it then but I never went on to, to finish the series so again I'm taking my time with it but um, it's it's been like sort of an up and down experience like I'm just now on the part where where like Jamie and Claire, who are the main protagonists, you know, they they get married and it's this whole thing because Claire traveled back in time to Scotland and she didn't mean to, but she was already married and so now she has to get married again and she's all like, I don't know if I can be unfaithful to my husband, but you know she's totally going to and they're going to fall in love of because course. there are six more books in the series. <laughs> of course. Um, but then, you know, you, you it, it left people wondering because in the second book... Oh, major spoiler, but she does go back to our own time um, for a while. And it left people wondering at the end of the second book, well, if she's back in our own time, then how's she going to get back to the other time? What's going to happen? You know, so that, you know, she kind of goes back and forth um, between times for certain reasons. And that was kind of interesting. You know, the way in which the time travel works is kind of cool. Um, But I, I don't know. I liked Outlander when I read it, and there actually are some scenes that really stuck out in my memory as being, you know, really interesting. And I read the second book, and there were a couple of really good scenes in there, too. And after that, I I plotted my way through the third book, which a lot of people seem to love the third book. I thought it was like a major yawn fest. There were parts of, like, the whole middle of the book, for me, I could have just skipped because I didn't really care that much the beginning and the end were great and the middle was just kind of like there and once I got to the fourth book I was like you know this is getting predictable I know where this is gonna go I'm bored and I actually I have read halfway through the fourth book and then just put it aside and I doubt that I'll finish the series um because after a while the books get predictable and yeah, they're, they're, I don't know how how long my patience will 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 tolerate it honestly but yeah. I like, I always meant to give it another go, so this is my second attempt, and if I can't, <laughs> if I can't manage it this time, then I'm, I'm going to give up and, um... Find something else. Find something else. Anything and else? And I'm also, you... like, and this will be the last one, I'm, right now I'm, I'm reading Persuasion by Jane Ooh. Austen, um... Because a Twitter friend of mine was reading it, and she was live-tweeting it, and she was being very um, enthusiastic and, and like, oh, you know, this is so good. And, and like, I liked Pride and Prejudice, which, admittedly, I read that I could read Pride and Prejudice in Zombies, Zombies. but <laughs> I did like it. So I, I read, I'm reading Persuasion, and I'm almost... I think I'm almost done because there's like I skipped the introduction and I'm probably going to skip like the like the stuff at the end of of this edition because you know it's a classic so it's got like a bunch of stuff extraneous text so I have a feeling I'm maybe um an hour away from being done with that one yeah and it's 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 very much worth the read the reader who does it on Bard is Jennifer Mendenhall and she's oh, she, she's the one who did James and the Giant Peach. Yes, yes, she was. She's very good, or was very good. I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't doubt know she's if she's. Now. That's good to know because I've been wanting to read that book too, and 
um, I didn't know who did it, and it, and I was going to do uh, read it on Bard. And sometimes they get people, uh, you know, books that are classics and written in England and stuff. They'll try and get people who are British or Australian or something to do them just for the ambience, and sometimes they don't. And I like it when they do. I think someone else read a couple of, you know, Jane Austen books. Was it Gab- Gabriella Cavallero or or somebody, or Martha Harmon party, and I just, I couldn't get into them because the ambience just wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if Jennifer Mendenhall actually is British, because I feel like I've read, I've heard her read, like, books that were not set in, in Britain, and she, like, seemed to have a perfectly fine American accent. But, like, at the same time, it's, it, what if she fakes it a lot, you know, and Barbara Caruso does with the the Outlander books, she goes through like thirty some hours with this fake British accent that she clearly does not have, <laughs> you know, like then then I don't know. I think it's kind of cool if they're talented enough to fake it, <laughs> but it's only about six hours long. Is is persuasion? I think like when you not counting the introductory introductory stuff so you know for a classic it's it's not that huge of an investment in time so what about you what have you been reading i the the current craze of zombies and vampires led me to pick up a book called zone one by colson whitehead and it's a book about well, post-apocalyptic America has been run over by zombies. And they were created by this virus. I mean, you know, kind of kind of uh, the way they're created in a lot of other books. And these people are going around killing all the zombies. And apparently this book won awards and things because it was so good. And I just could not get into it. I couldn't finish it. Um it was like he was trying too hard to write a great work of literature with all these similes and metaphors and wonderful lyrical writing. But face it, it's about zombies. So <laughs> the two, you know, the, the dichotomy of that just did not work for me. Like, you know, trying to make this poetic, um, post-apocalyptic zombie thriller. It just, I don't know, the writing style just really rubbed me the wrong way. Because in, in my book, you're not supposed to write a book about zombies like it's great literature. Yeah, no, it's all about, like, splashing of gore and, you know, eating of brains. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I just couldn't finish that. Um, I did read uh, a book. I actually read a nonfiction book this month. I was very proud of myself. Woo-hoo! Um, it was called The Imprisoned Guest by Elizabeth Gitter. Um, but it's about uh, Laura Bridgman and Sam, Samuel Howe. Uh, Samuel Howe, in case Howe, in case no one knows, is the founder of the Perkins Institute for the Blind, and Laura Bridgman was the first deaf-blind child educated at that institute. Uh, contrary to popular belief, it is not Helen Keller, um, and so it was kind of about them both and how he went around trying to find a child to educate there, what her education was like, and how it formed her, and what happened to their relationship as a result of that. I mean, I'm not talking about, it's a purely sort of father-daughter type of relationship, but how, you know, the ups and downs of that relationship and basically what happened to her after she finished her education. And it was very interesting because I had read, I had read a book uh, when I was younger called um, Child of the Silent Night. And it was a book for children about uh, Miss Bridgman and her basically childhood at, at Perkins. And, uh, you know, she was shown off to the public and and everything, just like Helen Keller was 40 or 50 years later. Uh, And so I I had found that basically really interesting. And so when I saw this book on Bard, I went and grabbed it. Um, And so that was my first nonfiction read in in quite a while um, that I actually finished. I have started working on another nonfiction book by Stephen Howarth called The Knights Templar about, well, the Knights Templar, go figure. Um, and that's actually very interesting. Uh, I haven't quite finished it yet, though. Um, not because I find it boring, but because there are other things. Other shiny objects have distracted me. <laughs> yes, yes, that's always how it goes. Um, but let's see. My mother recommended a book called Winter Garden by Kristen Hanna. And um, I, I know a lot of people, especially on some of the book lists I'm on, really like her. 
but I have never tried to read anything of hers. And this is a historical fiction piece about a, a girl who, uh, well, no, a woman who um, lived in Leningrad during World War II and all the things that she went through. And it's, it's basically her retelling her story uh, to her daughters, you know, because they, they think she's a terrible mother and they just couldn't stand her and she was never involved in their lives and they resent her after their father dies. Uh, but then they all grow to understand one another towards the end of the book as she retells her story. Um, I hated all of them at the beginning. I mean, they were all, there were two daughters and this mother, and they were all just, I didn't like any of them. And then by the end, they kind of, you know, grow to, to know and trust one another, and you find the characters more likable as it goes on. That was a fun book. I read that one, too, um, on on audio I've read um, I've read a couple of Kristen Hanna's books. I read that one, and I read um, one she did like that was a holiday story called um, I want to say it's called Comfort and Joy, um, which was very very cute. Um, but you're right; they like those people in the Winter Garden do start out being kind of horrible people. They're <laughs> awful. And then just- they're like, oh, I didn't even know whether I wanted to continue because one of them in particular annoyed me so much, um, Meredith. Yeah, like the control yeah. freak. She annoyed me so much. I didn't even know if I wanted to continue. And, um, but I, I liked, you know, I liked, I liked the book a lot. Um, another book I read was, um, the the Lonesome Gods by Louis L'Amour. And I actually had started this book a long time ago when I first got my Victor Reader stream because I thought the title sounded cool, even though I'm definitely not a Western fan. Um, and then someone on a book list that I'm on, actually, I think you're on it too, actually read it uh, and did such a wonderful review of it that I picked it up again and finished it and was glad that I did. Um, it is definitely not your uh, typical Western space opera or horse opera. <laughs> Pardon me, Space Opera. <laughs> I'm thinking of the book called The Great Space Opera or something by Gardner Desois that I did never read. Um, but anyway, the um, the book itself was really was really good. It was about this boy who goes out into to California with his father, and when his father dies, you know, basically what becomes of him and what what he does with his life. Um, so it was, it was really interesting because, you know, Los Angeles is a really major city now. And when this book takes place in the 1830s, nobody knows anything about it. So you, they're saying, well, oh, we're going to Los Angeles. And they're like, where's that? <laughs> you know, so you kind of have to put yourself in their shoes a little bit going, um, it's in California, you know, and realize that they have no idea where this city that now we consider, you know, like a huge metropolis. They had no idea that it even existed back then. Um, it was kind of funny. And let's see. Oh, I have been rereading part of a series, the first three books of which are not on Bard. So it was irritating trying to come up with them. I did manage to get them. Um, it's called, the series itself is called Rune Lords by David Farland. And it's an epic fantasy series. I believe there are now eight books. And I noticed that the last five of them have been put up on Bard, which of course made me want to read them. But then I realized that I couldn't read them without first like being reacquainted with the series and things that had gone on in it, because it is actually a very sort of convoluted thing. And the books are very long. Actually, they need to be that long because that's how much happens in them. But um, I, I read the first two and I'm kind of the way through the part of the way through the third um, and I've read them before, so I don't know that they really count as new reads, but I'm having to reread them in order to move on with the series. Uh, I initially got the first three books in hardback. Um, a friend of mine and I traded traded books for a while. Actually, I think he gave me more books than I gave him. Uh, but he introduced me to some great authors, among them David Farland and Terry Goodkind and, and other really wonderful fantasy writers. Um, David Eddings, in particular. And so... Um, I, I read them and, you know, scanned them and gave them back to him. And at the time, there weren't any more books out. And so I guess within the last, you know, 12 years, he's written more. So um, it'll be interesting to pick those up and read those when I have time. They're each probably like 20 hours long in audio. So, you know, you have to have time for them. <laughs> they are long. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last book I read, well... Um, I read many more, but I'll choose this one 
I haven't quite finished it yet, but I'll mention it anyway because um, I started reading it yesterday and I'm almost done. It's called The Restorer by Amanda Stevens. And this woman actually makes her living by restoring cemeteries and, you know, going into cemeteries and redoing the headstones and removing, you know, trash and, you know, crap from cemeteries that people throw away and um, making sure that they still look all nice and everything. And apparently there's, you know, she sees ghosts, which kind of complicates her situation a little bit. Um, and it's it's basically a supernatural mystery. And, you oh, know, fun. It, and it is really fun. There's a supernatural element to it. It's kind of more, um, the supernatural overtones are more, pre- are really, you know, prevalent in this book. It's not like the Sugar Queen, Sugar Queen, where they're just sort of kind of, you know, halfway there. These are really, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you don't like supernatural, you probably won't like this, even though it is a mystery. Um, but I mention it only because, uh, you know, I would save it till next month, except for the fact that it gave me this really weird bucabra dream last night that I'll talk about now when it's weird, as opposed to next month when I don't remember the dream at all. <laughs> um, so I, I you know, it, it's, it was, it's about cemeteries, which is, I guess, where this came from. I had this dream that, and actually you were in it too, I guess, because we were going to record podcast today. <laughs> I was thinking of you when I went to bed, but you and me and like a couple other people that I'm not sure who they were. I mean, they're dream people, you know, um, we're walking, we're taking this trip or something and we were in a car and it broke down and we walking, you know, walking down the road and realized that we have to find somewhere to sleep and we need to hide from something. I'm not quite sure what, which was weird because it didn't seem like we were in all that much of a hurry. But we ended up like opening up this tomb and like all tripping in there to to hide at at night and like try and sleep in it. It was weird. Oh, that is weird. And very disturbing. Ooh, creepy. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It was like just sort of a tomb just sitting there and, you know, it was sort of like one of those that are like the little buildings, you know, what are they, mausoleums or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh And and so we we went in there. Oh, God. I woke up going, what the? Well, you know, <laughs> oh. so um, as opposed to next month when I don't remember that creepy dream, I'll just, you know, mention it now. And, and I, I do enjoy the book. It's like mystery, supernatural, romance type thing. And I think there's there's going to be a series because there's kind of overtones in the in the book jacket that there are more coming. So um, that was really, really a good book. And I read more, but, you know, I won't go into detail over those. Okay. Well, shall we move on to the the few bits of news that we have for the month? Absolutely. Um, as you all know, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was our homework this month. And that book, uh, everyone found it so wonderful that they decided to make a movie of it. And it was released recently. Uh, the same guy who wrote it, Seth Graham Smith, also wrote the screenplay for the movie. And it hasn't been doing all that great. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not not that, like, it really surprises me all that much, considering, well, you know, we'll talk about the book, but, yeah, we, we have a, a review that, that really pans it. <laughs> yeah, not in the greatest picture, you know, not in the greatest light. I think some of the movie, I mean, I think some of it, you know, they have different, it's different than the book. I think there are more, like, battle scenes and stuff in the movie. Um, but, you know, really, some people went to see it and thought it was a, you know, a blast and really funny. And some people went and saw it and just feel like the subject is just really stupid and silly. And I think it's, it's a really weird thing because I didn't think it would do well as a movie. And I'm surprised it did as well as it did as a book because Abraham Lincoln is such a, such an iconic president that it almost seems like he's been shrouded in this mystique and, you know, putting him in this other position and, and making the civil war seem about, you know, a struggle between vampires just makes the, makes it ridiculous for people who really have strong feelings about that period in our history. Yeah. So that may be why it didn't do well. And I think some people thought that the special effects and things were kind of lame too. Um, But you know, eh, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't do well either. I mean, I think it's sort of silly. And I'm surprised that the book even did well because it's silly. And I think that's the point. Yeah. But, you know, if 
we hadn't decided to read it for the, you know, fourth book, you know, for the July book, um, I don't think I would have really, I mean, it wasn't a book I was rushing out to go read. No, I had it on my, on my TBR stack, but I, and I would have gotten to it eventually, probably, but, <laughs> you know, it, it was not anything I was super enthused about yeah. either. <laughs> and some people are wondering if they're going to come out with sequels like Harriet Tubman Werewolf and, you know. Yeah, that was the other article. That was, that's, that was kind of amusing, actually, because I guess she makes an appearance in the movie. Uh, as part of the Underground Railroad movement, of course, was going on at that time. And, um, you know, the Underground Railroad, having to move at night, underneath the moon <laughs> and stars. You can see it coming. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> um, and kind of leaving that book aside for the moment, Goodreads came out with an update to their iOS apps earlier this month. I, I've heard really good things about that app. I... I haven't downloaded it myself because someone told me that you could um, do everything but actually rate books, right? which seems a little bit stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I have it. I have not used it. so. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll download it and I'll report back because I, I, I use Goodreads a lot. And, and um, so I, I have, like... I'm, I'm pretty familiar with how it works, so it'll be interesting to see how how accessible the iOS app actually is for me. And I think it also has a barcode scanner on it, so you can, you know, scan in book information and titles and stuff, and that's kind of cool. You know, that you can use cool. the camera and scan it in, so it'll be interesting, you know, if we can get cited feedback on how that barcode scanner works and, and what, you know, what precisely you use it for. Um, that would be great, too. Yeah, I can see where that would be a really, like, nifty thing to, to, to be able to have, you know. Right. Um, like, if you were going to, say, like, be at a bookstore and, and browsing the shelves, I can see where that would be super useful. You know, scan your book, the barcode in mm -hmm. of the book and, like, get a, 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 like a glimpse at reviews and things like that to see what people thought of it before you <laughs> spent yeah. money. Right. Um, but I, I don't know how else... <laughs> That would be very useful. Yeah, so that's all of our news. Yay for news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was the, the, the oh, digital library. That's that right. Um, Harvard is putting out their Loeb library in digital form. And I guess this includes uh, Latin and Greek texts as well as their English translations. And it will be out in 2013. And it sounds like it's going to be not only out online someplace but also a piece of software or you know the website itself and it's geared towards um people who are learning classic literature probably as an educational uh thing although it's it's going to be open to the public uh you know it's going to have it, you're going to be able to view the books i guess in greek and latin and have the translations on facing pages and you know other things if you're if you're learning the languages to to read the um you know, to read that kind of literature, but it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, Pliny and all those Plutarch and all those yeah. guys. You know, all that's those, those old dead people. Yeah. <laughs> and I imagine that a lot of the books are already available on the um, Google. What is that thing called? The, Project the Google. Gutenberg? No, not Project Gutenberg. The, the, the project that Google is working on oh. to scan classics and have them available. It's already yeah. it's already in existence I, already. I know what you're talking about. I can't think of what it's called either. Yeah. So, um, so I imagine they're already available, but you never know. I mean, so many books have, are in so many different translations that that you never know who has what. Yeah. So it'll be interesting in 2013 when that comes out to see actually who uses it, how useful it is, since it's being limited to those, you know, books in those languages. And whether it's accessible or not. Obviously, the, the Greek text will probably not be accessible to those of us who have screen readers based on the Roman alphabet. But, um, you know, <laughs> how, how accessible the website is. Yeah, um, that'll be... So I guess we'll report back in 2013 yeah. if anybody ever tells Absolutely. us. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so they're looking for beta testers. Uh, and we have, we'll put a link in the show notes about where you can go to sign up to be a beta, beta, beta tester. 
<laughs> a beta tester of this thing. I guess I should mention while we're like doing news, I'm I'm so terrible about self promo, but I I um <laughs> I I revived the the old book blog that I that I wrote for a oh. long time. I didn't know you had a blog. I I did for well, it was for about a year and a half actually, and then I had school. <laughs> yeah, and school ate me. So. Um, and, and it was this huge, like, process, actually, because apparently um, I had to upgrade to PHP 5 instead of PHP 4. And I'm only, like, you know, minimally competent at best about, what, about like, HTML stuff. So I don't know what the differences are, but mm -hmm. apparently it was this huge deal because mm -hmm. um, I couldn't have access to my website without it. So we went through this whole, like, rigmarole trying to like yeah, upgrade my it can prep. be it can be interesting depending on your service provider when we first installed we have other blogs than the tech access weekly so way back in the beginning when we um created our first feeds um our internet service provider did not have a very good process in place to upload the you know php stuff to your website and so we were using ftp um ftp clients to upload it and it was like this huge process rodney did it i tried doing it and failed um and so now i think the process um with our domain provider is a bit different and uh it's not as difficult yeah, it. it was so it was it sort of similar for me. I um I'm I'm still trying to find an FTP client that is one free and two accessible via the Mac. Um, oh, FileZilla is, is, not? is not that FTP client. I oh. found out the hard way because while it is free, um, it doesn't work with VoiceOver. Oh, rats! And and I miss FileZilla. <laughs> I like FileZilla but, a lot. So I had I had a friend of mine um, basically run the whole FTP, like, you know, hack into my, my account with like my FTP credentials. Mm -hmm. And, and so she fixed it for me. So, um, flight into fantasy.com, which is, um, like the, my domain that I've had forever. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah. So, so, so cool. Um, be sure to check that out, everyone. I'll put that in the show notes too. Ah, Shannon's book blog. I do not have one. Um, I have a blog, but it's sadly I need a repair and not about books. So I won't go into that here since I haven't um, redone it yet. It's always on my to-do list and never gets done. Anyway. Um, yes, now we can talk now about Now we can talk vampires. about Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Um, the book made me yawn. I really wasn't thrilled with it. I I thought it was going to be more like I thought that I thought that Pride and Prejudice in Zombies was really charming. Mm -hmm. Um it I mean it it and essentially what like what this book is is the same sort of thing. It's like, you know, he he had to do a lot more of his own writing, you know, it it wasn't so much of a cut and paste job because, you know, he actually presumably had to do some research to come up with the biography of Abraham Lincoln, but it was still kind of like, I, 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 I kind of expected it would be funnier. Yeah, I did too. And there were, there were no like jokes about anybody's balls. And I was very sad about that. <laughs> Although there was that one scene where like, you know, Abe is talking about being in love with that one girl and he's like sitting in front of the horse's rear end and his friend is like, Oh, if only the horse would decide now. Yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um it was written like a biography. So biographies as a rule don't have a lot of banter and funny stuff in them. So maybe that's what the author was going for. But I mean with a title like Vampire Hunter, you you expect the whole thing to be riddled with comedy and like, you know, at least I would have, you know, or funny not take vampire so seriously. Yeah, I know. Just just more lighthearted than it actually was. Uh, but I I was kind of bored with the whole, like, vampire slaying part. You know, the whole first part of the book kind of bored me. Like, yeah, whatever. He slays vampires. Um, it's interesting how each 
author seems to have different descriptions of vampires. Um, Abraham Lincoln's vampires have fangs, just like usual, but they also have black eyes and claws, which I don't think I have ever seen before in a vampire's description. Um, I don't think I have either, but they're so, definitely the, you know, the... the the monster end toward of the yeah, the of the spectrum scale of vampire or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and so um, you know, I thought though that the whole like civil war thing and the premise that the civil war is like good vampires against the bad vampires, and that's really what it is about. But not you know the regular run of the mill people don't know that. I thought that was funny. I mean, you know, from a historical perspective. Yeah, and it yeah. sort of makes you think in general. How much do we really know about what goes on in our world? You know. Um, so I thought that was amusing, but, and, and who is, I thought they would go a little more into detail about, you know, who on the Confederate side was a vampire and who was actually just working for the vampires. And they really didn't, you know, like the army generals and stuff like that. I thought they would get them involved somehow as, either you know, working for the vampires or in league with the good vampires or whatever, but they did, you know, the union is the vampires that are, you know, willing for humans to live alongside them as other than a food source and the confederacy or the you know the opposite so i i think that i was sort of like i i i don't think that really worked for me very well like i thought that was a like it was an interesting idea but i thought that it made I, I thought that it, like, it made it too much about, like, you know, all these, like, famous historical people being, like, uh, including Abraham Lincoln, being, like, other people's puppets. Yeah. And it, I, I think that made them less interesting as characters, like, as, as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm not sure how things could have progressed differently because, like, you know, if if, 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 if Abraham had, hadn't met Henry Sturgis, like... You know, it, it his life would have gone <laughs> very, very differently. Oh yeah, but you know, it it was. I I don't know. I didn't didn't really like it. I didn't really like it either. I mean, the characters, none of them were really developed. They were all pretty much one dimensional, and or you. Di- I didn't really care about them one way or another. I didn't really care about Abraham Lincoln either in the long run. I mean, like, you know, when you get really involved with a character and, and they die at the end of the book, even if you know they're going to die, you I usually feel this twinge of, oh, you know, but I didn't feel that with him. It was just like, ho-hum. That's how the whole book seemed to me. Yeah. And then, like, there were these, like, clumsy moments of foreshadowing where he's, like, dreaming about these things. Yeah, yeah, that was very clumsy. I was like, oh, this is, like, you know... Oh, like, you know, he dreamed about the whole, like, scene in the theater, like, yeah. months before it happened. And I'm just like, that. And th- but yet he did nothing about it. Like, he's just like, whatever, it's a dream. Like, you would think that, that hunting vampires would have made you a little bit more paranoid. You would think, you know, and, and made you open to the possibility that, you know, there are other supernatural things out there. And so you might want to, you know, pay attention to your dreams, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm not a vampire hunter. I couldn't say. Yeah, I I think that like, and and then I think like, for me, the other thing that didn't work particularly well was the whole like setup of the story, which is not my favorite thing in, in the world anyway. Like the, a frame um, story? I think that the that the term I've heard used is the it's is it's called the literary agent hypothesis. <laughs> Where, like, you know, it's like, this is the story as told to me, the author, and the author is going to have this, like, long introduction, which is, you know, basically talking about, you know... How he found um, out about the story in the first place. Yeah, and it didn't really work for me, because, you know, it, especially since, since, you know, Seth Graham Smith's other claim to fame is, like, copying and pasting zombies into Jane Austen novels. (laughs) Right. like you know, I can't I can't take him seriously as somebody that that like some ancient vampire would be like, oh, let me give him the long lost journals of Abraham Lincoln too. Like that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I you know, oh hum. As I said, I just it was one of those things where I knew I had to read it for the podcast, but if I didn't have to do it, I probably would not have finished it. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like with that zombie book I talked about earlier. It's just kind of like, eh. 
whatever. Um, so it, it's almost like, you know, when he when he's actually forced to do writing, he gets the style right, but not the character development. You know, it's like yeah. when he's developing his own characters. They don't really come out as being very, they're very cardboard. They're very one-dimensional. And and then, like, the other thing that bothered me was that, that um, I, I didn't, don't remember noticing the gore that much in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Like, or if I did, it was like, well, it's a zombie story. Of course there's going to be gore. Right. But I was really, like... I, I thought a lot of the like descriptions of, of of violence were really excessive, and I'm not particularly prudish about stuff like that. But it really was like, okay, like, do we do we have to have this description of like somebody's brains like being sucked out of their skull? Like, is that really necessary? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't find that particularly bothersome because I guess when, when there are lots of descriptions of violence, if I know they're not essential to the story, I tend to like tune out during, during that and just not pay too much of attention, you know, and, and skip them altogether and not really, you know, not really worry too much about them. I don't know. I just didn't find it. I mean, like when you say, when you talk about it, I don't even remember reading it, which obviously I did, but right. it just, you know, I went, one, went in one ear and out the other. Um, uh, I think the thing is that, like, you know, considering that, that the book has a very serious tone, like, mm-hmm. then you have these, like, moments of slasher horror movies thrown in. It, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work. Because yeah. it's just, it, it's jarring to me and took me out of the story every time it happened to be sitting there going, oh, my God, <laughs> there's. There's another bloody massacre with vampires. Yeah, I just, I sort of was like, yeah, yeah, let, yeah, get that over with. Let's just get back to the story, you know. Yeah, So yeah. I tended to tune them out. But I can understand how that would be really jarring and probably would have really jarred me if I wasn't concentrating so much on plowing through it to get to the end of it. <laughs> just let's finish it. Let's just yeah. finish it up. Move right along. Yeah. And we have nobody but ourselves to blame for this pick. So. Oh, absolutely. We we picked it. I thought it would be fu- I thought it would be really funny actually. I I did think there would be a lot of comedy in it, but no such luck. Yeah. Oh well, that's okay. We picked a fun book for next time though. I I think we did. Um we were we were trying to f- come up with something that would be appropriate for summer. And um so I went to my Goodreads shelf, which has, like, an, obs- an obscene number of books in my to-read shelf, <laughs> and did a Google search for summer, and or a, a, a search of the shelf for summer, and we came up with Summer at Willow Lake by Susan Wiggs, which is, um, I can't quite tell whether it's going to be um, women's fiction or romance, but it seems to be sort of in that, In like, that area. That area. Yeah, it does. And I think, I mean, I think there's going to be some romance in it. I know some people who really like the Lakeshore Chronicles. This is the first Lakeshore Chronicle. Um, and I know some people really like them. So, I mean, that, that gives me hope that it's going to be good. And, and we do have male listeners to our podcast. So, you know, you may not get into this book as much as the women do. But, yeah, you know, it would be a nice change of pace. That's okay. I think, I like, I don't know what we're going to read for September. But I... I, I have been thinking that October we should definitely read a Stephen King book. So, you Absolutely. know, male listeners, we will be thinking of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, I debated 11, 22, 63, but that may be just a bit long. So we'll think I about it. I was thinking about The Shining. You know, that might be good. The Shining or Cujo might be a good one, too. Yeah, either of those. Or The Dark Half. Oh, shoot, I'm coming up with all these that aren't too long, but yet are, you know, are good. <laughs> Either way, there will be Stephen King in October. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, so yeah, the Lakeshore, uh, Summer at Willow Lake by Susan Wiggs. It's available wherever books, fine are, books sold. are sold. <laughs> or downloadable or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's also available on Bard and Bookshare and probably Audible. Although, yes. I haven't checked Audible. I haven't checked either, but I imagine it's got to be there because those books are insanely popular. Yeah, absolutely. So, that will be for August, and we will come back in August and discuss that book at that time, yep. as well as our other reads. 
And we forgot to mention our listeners. Um, we did have one listener, Kathy Blackburn, actually write a story about us on her Goodreads page. Um, so that was kind of cool. I had to oh, approve cool. the story. Um, I actually went to the story and I didn't see anything in the story field, but that may be an accessibility issue with Goodreads. I don't know. Um, I didn't know you could do that. That's kind of interesting. I guess that means writing a review about something, a podcast or a club or something. But um, so that's that's wonderful. Thank you, Kathy, for doing that. And she also, incidentally, send us, sends us book news uh, that we consider for the episode um, over Twitter. Uh, and we also heard from a couple other listeners who were having a bit of a trouble getting into the Vampire Hunter book. Yeah, um, yeah. poor Ellen. I poor feel Ellen. Like I- and, and Jane Jordan was having some trouble, too. So, you know, we, we kind of expect that all of y'all will have some trouble getting into the book. But we have no one but ourselves to blame for that because we picked it. And we'll know better next time. <laughs> and we can't always pick books that everyone's going to like, even us. Exactly. So, um, and if you have suggestions for books that we should consider discussing, you know, feel free to send those along because otherwise it's just going to be us picking them. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and you can do that by emailing, uh, BHA podcast at gmail.com or sending them to book hoarders on Twitter. Uh, and of course all the contact information can be found on the website, bhapodcast.com and in the interest of wrapping this up if you want to follow me on twitter i am aaron edgar if you want to listen to the melting pot show on mushroom fm or my temporary fill-in show on wednesday nights the jazzy and snazzy fringe you can go to mushroomfm.com and i'm on twitter at bardsong b-a-r-d-s-o-n-g Or go to flightintofantasy.com for my book blog, which has one post on it. But we'll have more by the time this this airs. Yay! (laughs) Go book blog! Um, (laughs) And if you want to find me some more, um, I guess I should say uh, Tech Access Weekly is still alive and well, even though we are not putting out regular podcasts. I need to promote that because this this goes out on our, you know, Tech Access Weekly. Um, It's under that domain so i need to promote that but um anyway we will see you next time have a good summer stay cool and bye-bye bye to contact the book hoarders send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com follow book hoarders on twitter Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657, and visit the website at bhapodcast.com.